uh, Brother Jeremiah has created a resistance uh, group um, on Facebook, and we encourage you to go and join that group, and we'll post links uh, to the messages. So if you'd like to, sometime when you get a spare moment, you can sit down and listen to the message, and you could fill in briefing one, briefing two, whichever ones that you missed. But I think if you'll do that, it'll be a real blessing to you. If you don't have internet or not uh, real good with Facebook or whatever, and you'd like to hear those messages, if you'll let me know, I'll make sure that we get you a CD that will have those messages on it. But um, please avail yourself of this opportunity. I think the information that's contained uh, in this four-part series uh, known as The Resistance, I think it's important information for every Christian to know. And so let's look in your Bible at James chapter 4. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then this is the verse that I really want to focus on tonight, verse 8. Because this tells us how it is that we can resist the devil. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. As we look at this tonight, I've entitled this briefing continued resistance continued resistance and understand that is exactly what we have to do to be good soldiers we have to resist we have to be active in saying no to temptation we can't just chalk it up to well you know it's just it's so tough and it's so hard and everybody get no we have to be willing to resist think about this quote that i found it has been said that rivers and men become crooked by following the line of least resistance. You know, that's what water does. Water will go to the lowest point, and that's why a river will meander right through an area. Now, very rarely do you find a river that goes just dead straight, unless it's been dug by men, right? That's because rivers follow the path of least resistance. And listen, in your Christian life, If you follow the path of least resistance, I promise you, Satan will always be there to provide, Satan will always be there to provide some path that will take you off course and make you crooked. And if you always follow the path of least resistance, it will lead to destruction. And so how do we keep from doing that? Pretty much all the other briefings, briefing 1, 2, and 3, we've really been explaining how the war is fought. We've really set the stage for the message tonight. We've learned that if we simply resist the devil, he will flee. You remember, last night, I showed you that clip from the uh, Matrix, where at the end, Neo, right? He awakens and realizes that he can control the system. And those agents shoot those guns at him. And you remember, he just puts his hand and he says, no. And all the bullets just kind of stop. You remember that scene? So cool, right? All the bullets just kind of slowed down. Well, that is a remarkable visualization of exactly how our war against the devil works. When we resist him, we can stop all of his temptation. We just simply have to resist the temptation. And we see right here in this verse, if we resist, he will flee. But let's face it, that's easier said than done, isn't it? It's difficult to resist the devil. Now, I came across this quote, a lady named Sally Kempton. Now, I want you to understand this is probably the only thing that I agree with that Sally Kempton said. She's a New Age guru into New Age mysticism and stuff. But she said something that I thought was interesting in her perception of the mind. She said, it is hard to fight an enemy who has outposts in your head. And isn't that true? 
Because of our sin nature, the devil is very adept at tapping into our weakness and awakening that old sin nature within us and using it against us. It's like he has outposts in our head. So the question is, we know if we resist, he will flee, but how? How do we do that? And so we're going to look at that tonight. The way that we do that is to draw near to God. That's what the beginning of verse 8 says. It says, um, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And then it gives us how we can draw near to God and stay near to God. The first point I want you to understand tonight is that in order to draw near to God and be close to God, we have to cleanse our hands. If you want to be close to God, if you want to draw near to Him, cleanse your hands. I like what John Donne said here. Sleep with clean hands, either kept clean all day by integrity, or wash clean at night by repentance. You know, we need to make sure that as we walk through this life, that we keep our hands clean. That we make sure that our actions are honorable to the Lord. We need to clean our hands. Back in 1848, there was a doctor, Ignaz Semmelweis. He discovered a very simple technique of having physicians wash their hands in a chlorine solution before delivering a baby. So you understand back then they didn't understand all about sanitization and stuff like that. And he came up with the idea, hey, before a doctor goes in to deliver a baby, have him wash his hands in chlorine, and that will kill any of those invisible germs that are on his hand. Now, when he enacted that practice at the hospital, listen to this. It reduced the maternal mortality rate in the clinic, mothers dying, from 18%. Are you getting this? It reduced it from 18% to 1%. Just by simply having all the physicians wash their hands in chlorine water. Think of how many mothers were saved in that hospital because this physician required those doctors to wash their hands. But you know what is interesting is that Mr. Semmelweis was not accepted among his colleagues. Twelve years later, in 1860, that same clinic... 35 out of 101 mothers died. What happened? Well, Semmelweis was perceived as a flake, a disruptor, someone who had extreme views. And so the physicians didn't take him seriously and nobody listened to him and they set aside his practices. Mr. Semmelweis, who was so smart and so adept in understanding how the invisible germs would affect people that were encountered by them, In 1865, in despair, this man who was so brilliant was duped into entering a mental sanitarium because of his belief in these invisible germs where he killed himself two weeks later. It was another two decades, 20 years passed, before Joseph Lister, you may have heard of Listerine, Joseph Lister and Louis Pasteur, the one who came up with the pasteurization of milk, it was 20 years before they stepped on the scene and said what Semmelweis had said 20 years earlier. Think of how many of those uh, mothers giving birth in that hospital, think of how many of them lost their lives because people weren't willing to listen to Semmelweis because they wouldn't clean their hands. 
Now you know in the same way today, just like those doctors looked at Seymour Weiss and said, Ha-ha, invisible germs, yeah, you're crazy. You need to check yourself into the mental ward. You know what? A lost and dying world out there, they look at us and they say, an invisible God, yeah, you're crazy. But listen, our invisible God says that we need to have clean hands. And if you want to draw near to God, then you need to clean your hands. Make sure that your actions are honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do we need to have clean hands, cleanse your hands, but also purify your hearts. Thomas Kempis said this. He said, man sees your actions, but God sees your motives. Did you get that? Man sees your actions, but God sees your motives. See, it's not enough with God just to have clean hands, though we need that. We need clean actions. But God looks deeper than just our physical actions. He sees the motives. He sees our hearts. And that's why James says, not only should we cleanse our hands, but we need to purify our hearts. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, regarding David being chosen as king, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Speaking of David's older brother. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh where? On the heart. That's why James says, Purify your heart. You see the, the illustration there from mythology. The Gorgons were three sisters in mythology. They were hideously ugly, with glaring eyes and serpents entwined in their hair. If anyone looked directly in their eyes, that person was turned to stone. Temptation is not always ugly like the Gorgons, but we need to turn away from it and not even look at it, lest our hearts be turned to stone. You know, we need to make sure that it's not just our actions, but even the inner, the inner space of our heart. Make sure that we purify our hearts if we're going to draw nigh to God. Because you know what? God sees inside. God sees beyond our actions. God sees our motives. An Egyptian architect was commissioned by one of the pharaohs to build a lighthouse at the mouth of the Nile. On a piece of rock that was duly selected, Sinaitis, the architect, erected a fine edifice. He engraved upon the cement covering of the lighthouse outside the name of the Pharaoh that had commissioned it. But in a few years, something interesting took place to that lighthouse. In a few years, the effect of the wind and the rain had eroded away the cement where the Pharaoh's name was. And it was discovered that beneath the Pharaoh's name that the architect had engraved his own name underneath. Now you know how often... I believe as Christians, sometimes we're guilty of the same thing. Our actions may seem all right, but underneath, if it were to be eroded away, we would see that really it's not about God at all. It's all about us. You know, we need to make sure that it's not just our actions. Everybody else can look at you and think you're a fine Christian, but that's not enough. God sees beyond the actions, and He sees to our heart. We need to purify, purify our hearts. And then thirdly, this evening. Unify. Unify your mind. I used this quote earlier. It is hard to fight an enemy who has outposts in your head. 
And that's why we need to make sure that we have control of the things that we think about. We need to make sure that we have control of our thoughts. Uh, Don't allow things to just indiscriminately come into your mind and you just dwell on them. Listen, God knows the things that we dwell upon. Even if no one else knows, we need to make sure that we unify our minds. That last part of the verse says, Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You see, that's the problem with people who have uh, hands that are unclean and people who don't have pure hearts. It's because they don't have singleness of mind, because they're not unified in serving God and God alone. They're double-minded. It's like they do a church thing, and then they do a world thing. They act one way on Sunday, and then when they go to work or school or on Friday night or Saturday night when they're out with their friends, they're a totally different person. You see, they're double-minded. James says we need to unify, unify our mind. I've used this illustration before, but I think it, I think it illustrates the point here. I want you to understand, it's not enough, it is not enough to rid ourselves of sinful acts and then to allow sinful thoughts just to run rampant in our mind. That is not enough with God. We have to have a unified, unified mind. David Siemens tells the story of the alchemist back in Middle Ages. He would go into villages and he would sell those villagers a special powder that he claimed would turn water to gold. Now, wouldn't that be wonderful? What if I had a powder here tonight and I said, hey, you buy this powder, you sprinkle it in some water, and it turns to gold. You say, whew, Pastor Jimmy, I want to buy some of that powder, right? That's what this man did. But he told the people when they got the powder that it would turn into gold if they put it in water, provided, provided they never thought of red monkeys. And so, of course, when they would put that powder in the water and it wouldn't work, and they'd come back, hey, hey, this powder didn't work. He'd say, did you think of red monkeys? Uh, you did think of red monkeys. You did. You can't blame me. You were thinking of red monkeys when you made that uh, gold, and it didn't turn into gold because you were thinking of red monkeys. You know, you can't do that, can you? You, you can't tell yourself, well, just like right now, don't think about zebras. Every one of you are thinking of zebras, aren't you? Yeah, all of you see it. Don't lie, Jeremiah. You're thinking of zebras, right? That we, you can't do things like that. Instead of just sitting there and all day saying, "Oh, don't, oh, God, help me not, not think about that, not think about that." No, fill your mind with good things, right? Fill your mind with good things so that you don't have time to dwell on the wrong things. I read something wonderful when I went through uh, Rick Warren's book, "The Purpose Driven Life." He said something very simple in there that really helped me, and that was, when, you, you know, when a temptation first comes to you, and it kind of catches your attention. He said, just simply think about something else. Instead of letting your mind just dwell on that and just go to all kinds of places, think about something else. Get a hobby or something that glorifies God, and when you have that problem, go do something that's good that you enjoy. And see, that way you're able to occupy your mind with the things that are good rather than sitting there and say, oh, I don't want to think about that, I don't want to think about that. That's like, that's like trying to not think of red monkeys. Or not trying to think of zebras. You know, we need to purify, excuse me, we need to unify our mind. And turn over to this passage. We, I could not go through a, a series about resisting the devil and talk about the mind without showing you this passage. Memorize this passage if you have, a tr- if you have trouble with your thought life, and it will help you. This is a tremendous, tremendous passage. It's right there in your field manual. Because you may need this. If you're pinned down and the enemy's got you, take out that field manual and look at Philippians 4, 8. 
I love this verse. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or truthfulness, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You say, well, Pastor Jimmy, I don't know if this one thing is a sin or not, if I should not be thinking about this or not. Well, just apply it to this. Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is there any virtue? Is there any praise? You see, that can be the filter by which you uh, test the things that come into your mind. These are the things that we need to dwell upon. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So tonight, cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. And then unify. Unify your mind. You know, the key to continued resistance, the key to a successful Christian walk, not not for three weeks, right? When you get excited and say, I'm going to get in church in three weeks. I'm not talking about the sprint. The other week I used the illustration about some people are really good at the 95-yard dash, right? There's no such a thing. Oh, excuse me, 95-meter, right? 95-meter dash. No such a race as a 95-meter dash. Just the 100-meter dash, right? And so we need to be seeing things through all the way to the end. But listen to this quote. Happy is the one who walks so close to God that he leaves no room for the devil. Now let me say that's a good quote. And happy is the one who walks so close to God that he leaves no room for the devil. Do you want to walk close to God? Do you want to draw near to Him? I'll tell you how to do it tonight. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, and unify, unify your mind. But you know, drawing nigh to God and winning that battle for the uh, clean hands and a pure heart and a unified mind, it's impossible. You'll never be able to do it unless you first accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's no way for you to, to beat the devil apart from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Martin Luther had a dream one time. Now this isn't Martin Luther King, alright? He had a dream too, but this is Martin Luther the Reformer. He had a dream in which he stood on the day of judgment before God Himself. And Satan was there to accuse him. You know, in Revelation it speaks of Satan being the accuser of the brethren. And we see in the book of Job that he accused Job before God. Martin Luther had a dream that Satan was doing that very thing, accusing him. And when Satan opened his books of accusations against Martin Luther, he pointed to transgression after transgression of which Luther was guilty. And the proceedings went on and on. And as they drew on longer, his heart sunk as the devil would bring up fault after fault, sin after sin, transgression after transgression. But then, Martin Luther remembered the cross of Christ. And turning to Satan, he said this, There is one entry which you have not made, Satan, in your book of accusations. The devil retorted in his dream, What is that? And Luther answered, It is this, the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. My friend, you will never be able to beat the devil on your own 
apart from the Lord Jesus Christ working inside of you. Cleaning your hands, purifying your heart, unifying your mind, it is an impossible task until you have first allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to wash away your sin, to cancel that power of sin over you so that you can be victorious. Then you can begin fighting the devil and fighting that good fight that Paul talks about and cleaning your hands, purifying your heart and unifying your mind. But it all starts, it all starts with salvation. And if you've never accepted Him as your Savior tonight, I hope that you'll come get that settled and indeed tonight really and truly join the resistance.